1: Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Lindsay of Bewitched. They're back, that's right, Bewitched are back. And I tell you what, this is such a lovely chat. Lindsay's a super, super kind and interesting woman and you're in for a real treat. Um, And let's not overlook the fact that Bewitched broke records for... Number one singles on the bands like that is from the debut single and everything that follows straight to number one. That's remarkable. And we do a little dive into what that was like and and how that come about and and dealing with that level of success and and and, and it, how quickly it all came and and then reflection. You know, once it once it stopped and uh, and, and, and 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 what. Lindsay Dunham. We also talk about growing up in Greece and relocating to, to, to Ireland at a very, very difficult age and, and, and the impact that that must have had on a young person. I don't want to say too much more because it's a really lovely chat and I want you to go and enjoy it. So I want to do a few thank yous before uh, we get on with it. I want to thank Kat for um, putting this interview together. Um, I'd also like to thank Scribius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. And I want to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. They produce this um, podcast for me, and it's a wonderful podcast, Blue Murder Club. Go check it out. If you like your true crime, uh, head over to have a look at the guests, because you might recognise a few that have been on off the beaten track as well. Um, And also, if this is your first time listening, hello, hello and welcome, because you're very, very late to the party. We're we're 480-odd episodes in there. When you get to the end of today's chat with Lindsay, go and have a rummage in the archives because you'll see stacks of interviews with all your favourite pop stars and comedians and actors and DJs. Like, we've had... Blimey, let's have, let's have a little think. The Killers, The Kaiser Chiefs, um, Tommy Lee a Motley Crew, The Foo Fighters, Chuck D, A Public Enemy, Fat Boy Slim. Um, gosh, we've had all sorts. Going go at David Duchovny of X-Files and Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Thomas Turgu, some amazing acting talent. Um, oh, just go and have a look. Go and have a look. Like I said, there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes. They're all available for free. Um, Why I do ask is... The only little payoff is this. I'm on all the social media platforms. I say all of them, all the ones that a 49-year-old can kind of navigate. So that's Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. If you could give us a little like, a love, a share, a retweet on whatever one of them you use, like a follow on them would be lovely. Um, whatever place you listen to your podcast on, give us a little follow on there or a review. These things really help um, get the word out on the podcast. And And as much as this is, you know always growing this podcast it's you know I'm, I'm so lucky that every episode i put out it gets you know pushed to a, a complete new audience of the artists that's been on so it's it's a a lovely experience um watching this podcast grow and uh, but essentially that's down to you lot Um, for listening. So, always huge thanks and love to use. Um, If you want even more content or you'd like to watch today's episode, then we do that over um, on Patreon. And so, Patreon's a a thing where you can support a a creative. Um, And what I do is, there's normally there's there's a cost attached to it, but I keep mine super, super cheap just because, well, we're living in a, a really difficult time at the moment. So, Mine's a dollar a month, so I think that works at about 70 pence. And so for that 70 pence a month, each week I put up video episodes of all my chats so you can watch them if you'd like. Um, I put up little radio shows and, and playlists and such, and once a month I do a, an online live show where patrons can all come and join on Zoom, camera on or off, however you want to be, you can just watch it, or you can get really involved. And And we pick a question from the podcast, and uh, and you all... You'll bring your little records to the table, and we talk about them. We talk about your memories attached to them, and and you get to feature on on on, on an episode. And it's such a lovely thing that's really grown. And and we get an, it's a completely non-judgmental hangout, and everybody comes, and we have a a lovely little natter with really really kind people, and. Yeah, you'd love it. You'd love it. So um, you can head over to Patreon, P A T R E O N, patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Um, go and have a look over there. It doesn't cost anything. Just head over there and have a look. And there's a little video of, of, of my ugly mug just telling you a little bit more about it and uh, watch that. And if you want to sign up for just a month, pay your 70 pence. You get access to all of that stuff I've just mentioned and a back catalogue. Of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of of episodes and radio shows and God knows what, so you can just go over there and rinse it all for a month and then then you can leave if you want, um, or you might want to stick about and uh, and and come to more live shows and, and and watch more bits and pieces that we throw out over um, on Patreon. Uh, your one stop shop for everything you need to know about this podcast is the website, which is off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast Right. That's all the kind of stuff I have to get out of the way before we get on with the Natter. And here is that Natter. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat & Track Podcast with the delightful Lindsay of Bewitched. It's Off The Beaten & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network Give me, Stu Whipping. We are recording. Lindsay, how are you today?
0: hello i'm good thanks how
1: are you i'm all right i'm not too bad i'm not too bad at all um so you're back bewitched are back we will get right involved in everything about that as this podcast unfolds but essentially today i want to sort of do a bit more of a deep dive into you and your creative journey uh Mm -hmm. and the songs that have been important along the way yeah i always start by asking guests to tell me the song that they regard as having the greatest ever intro. What have you gone mm. for?
0: Yeah. Well, the first one that comes to mind for me is Meatloaf, um, Anything for Love. Okay. You know, that glorious piano intro at the, at the beginning. Um, Yeah, I think I think that song was came out when I was kind of in my teens, so it kind of made an impact on me because I think it was the first time I'd come across a song that had a completely you know <clears throat> sort of long intro yeah um that seemed like an almost separate entity to the song yeah, itself yeah, yeah. so it really kind of um made an impact on me and i was like wow that's really cool yeah and it's is gorgeous isn't it Just that piano
1: it's super out. grand isn't it like anything that, yeah. that meatloaf done and and, and it, bizarrely i was talking last night about um bonnie tyler's totally clips of the heart which oh, yeah. I mean, obviously was uh, written by Steinman, who wrote the, the Meatloaf classics as well, and it's all very cinematic and yeah. uh, and and Dramatic. grand and huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm, one beautiful. of the things yeah. I'm interested in is, is is when I talk to musicians and uh, and and songwriters and, and pop stars and such about time and how. Now, if we if we look at Bewitched as an example, when you set out back in the day, the way that people would get their music um, would have been far different from how people get their music now. So we're going mm, back before Spotify, true. before the kind of impact of of things like like TikTok for for musicians yeah. now are utilising these kind of movements in tech and and mm-hmm. how. Um, the, the the sort of attention span of, of 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 the younger generation seems to be slightly smaller uh, yeah. and, and very fast moving thumbs and and so yeah. there's pop writers and now probably more so than ever are trying to hook people mm. instantly and and pull yes. them in. Tell me about yeah. some of the 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 changes that that you've seen since you know recording back then to to mm. recording now.
0: I think this is one of the this is one of the interesting things about where we find ourselves at the moment is that the first time we were around compared to now, yeah. how much the music industry has changed yeah. because of the technological revolution, and it's just it's so different. I mean, yeah. when we were around the first time, this is going back to 1998. <clears throat> you know, you would first of all you would um, tour to yeah. promote your music your physical music so your cds or your cassettes at the time um and that was the way in which you would sell records which is actually how you had made money and how you made yeah. a living from from the industry now you release music for next to nothing it doesn't cost very much to buy a, a song these days and stream it and you release it in order to promote your tours yeah and that's where you make the financial that's where you make your living so it's completely flipped that's one of the differences um but also the way in which you promote yourself as an artist has changed so dramatically you know back in the day it was quite a slow burner in some ways really because a record company would take you on and develop you um as an act you know an artist or a band and spend a little bit of a budget and a bit of time A and you and getting you to a point where they felt you were ready to release and everything else. And in that time, that's where you grew as an artist and developed your skill and honed in on what your sound is and all the rest of it. But also where you did all of your groundwork yeah. and, you know, in in sort of generating a fan base and an interest in your music. <clears throat> so that's what that's where we. That's what we used to do. That's where we come from, from that era. Um, and I remember we had our development deal with Sony. Um, and within that time, we were in the studio writing songs. They saw something in us and they wanted to sign us, but we weren't quite there yet. You know, we didn't have the hit songs under our belt. So we we used to gig our, our music and we used to go up and down the country doing countless School assemblies, under-18s nightclubs, radio interviews, up and down, up and down. We went for months on end, um, did all that groundwork. And that was before we even, the you know, the, the full contract was even picked yeah. up by Sony. And as soon as we had Sailor V recorded, <clears throat> that's when things kind of started to escalate, escalate a little bit. Yeah. And Sony, Sony said, right, we think you've got your first single. This is exciting now. We're going to pick up the deal um and then it turned into from a development deal it turned into like a a six album deal or something like that i can't remember exactly but it was a big deal at the time it was like oh my gosh you know we've got proper deal now um you know and and even then you know the hard work was still to come it was all the tv shows that we used to do you know your cduk smtv your top of the pops it was all the photo shoots and interviews you used to do for all the teeny mags yeah. again top of the pops smash hits all of those that aren't around really anymore yeah. um you know top, top of the pops we used to do let's talk and, about you know,
1: that you know, let's talk about that top, because yeah for my you know anybody that's grown up in in in, in, uh, in, in the United Kingdom um, that the importance as as you know, as a youngster of, of Top of the Pops, that was where you saw, because we didn't yeah. have the internet, so we wouldn't be able to go on YouTube and watch all of this stuff. We didn't have social media, no. so we didn't know what Madonna was having for her dinner. So, you know, no. the only time you would get it would be Top of yeah. the Pops. And that that, that Thursday night or the Friday night would become, yeah. you would tune in and you would watch half an hour where you would see your pop stars. Yeah. Like
0: Absolutely.
1: To grow up watching that, mm. tell me about the first time you'd done Top of the Pops, like was was that a moment
0: it was it was a huge moment yeah it really was I mean so obviously when when we recorded it um we knew that we were going to be number one at the time because we had our midweek um or or possibly it was recorded I can't remember now the timings of it but anyway so they record your performance and um I remember that first time we were there at the Top of the Pop Studios, we we bumped into backstage, we bumped into Bee Gees and Celine Dion and it was just like, oh my god, what is happening right now? Like, I'm sorry, but are we just hanging out with the Bee Gees and Celine Dion backstage while we're just about to go and perform on Top of the Pop Studios?
1: <laughs> surreal, <is> so, right? So,
0: <laughs> so surreal right now. Um, but I'll tell you what was even more surreal is that when that show was aired, which was a couple of days later, it could have been even the day, the day later, we were sat at home where we lived together in Egham in Surrey in a little house and um, Waiting to, to watch Top of the Pops. We were watching Top of the Pops and we knew that we were going to be at the end of the show because we were number one. And it was just like when it came to number two, we were going, oh, my God, my hearts are going and everything. It's like <laughs> what we know we're going to be up next. We know, what, you know what's going to happen. But it was so surreal. And it was such a big deal. Yes. Yeah. Such a big deal. This is the show that we had grown up watching ourselves yeah. and all our favorite artists used to be on it. And it was a really big deal. It was really exciting. And I do, in some ways, I feel a bit sad because that's not there for this younger generation now. They don't have that sense of anticipation and excitement to see their bands because everything is just so accessible, isn't it, with social media? Totally. So in that respect, it's changed so much. And everything is, like you said, everything is such a faster pace. Yeah. You know, singles are just dropped every other week, it seems. Yeah. you know, content is daily. Content is daily. Yeah. But I suppose that's just the way things have changed because the, these artists, well, us artists, we don't have the TV shows sure. to do. We don't have the, the you know, the the uh, magazines to do the photo shoots for and everything else. Yeah. And everything is just instant. Everything is at your fingertips. Here's your social yeah. media. Here's your account. You put out what you want when you want. You know, so it's just very, very different. Yeah,
1: Lindsay, I'm going to take you back. Um, tell Mm. me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please.
0: Yes. So I think I just seem to remember when Mariah, Mariah Carey released Vision of Love. This was her first single and it was a combination of her vocal and the song itself. And it just, it made such a huge impact on me that i feel like it was the song that made me want to get into the music industry it was the song that made me think oh i'd love to be a part of the music industry whether it's as a writer a producer a a singer in a band something i was just so in love with the whole idea of it um and it really captured me and it really kind of inspired something in me and then i went on to buy her album and i absolutely loved her album um and i think I think I was a fan of hers for the first couple of albums, and I think she kind of changed her direction yeah. then after that. Yeah. But in that in those early, early days where it was just all about her vocal, it was yeah. just incredible. Um, but yeah, I would say that was, that was one that made a huge impact on me.
1: If you had to pinpoint the actual emotion that you got mm. hearing that, what would it have mm. been?
0: That's a really interesting question. The actual emotion would have probably been um a sense of maybe love just love for what i was hearing just yeah. absolute you know just that pure pure feeling of oh this is amazing yeah. i'm i'm loving this you know And I so think that was it
1: and so where was you at this point where was growing up
0: so i was in greece at the time yeah and um, so i i was born and raised in greece till i was 13 and then I moved to Ireland at the age of 13 and lived there till I was about 18, 19, which is when I got into the band and then we moved to the UK.
1: Tell me a little bit about that that moment where you're 13 and, and you moved to Ireland from Greece because mm. that's a very, very tough age to be for, you know yeah. for, for 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 any young woman to to, to be 13 really? it's a time of trying to find out who you are fit in with the right people find your tribe I know. and to then kind of upsticks from from one country to another how, how how was that
0: it was incredibly hard um i think it it I, it was just it, it was kind of like being ripped away from everything you've ever known. And as you say, at that age, you're, you're kind of your tribe, your friends are so important to you. And it felt, in some ways, it felt like the end of the world for me because I just thought, what 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 is going to happen? Like, what am I going to do? And and also, not only was I leaving my friends, but I was leaving my dad. Um, so my parents had, were splitting up at the time. Yeah. And um, so it was huge. It was pretty big. Um, I think in hindsight, it was probably one of the biggest character building times of my life. I adapted very very quickly i had to i made new friends i embraced a different culture even though i was i was familiar with it because my mum obviously was irish and we used to visit ireland every single year so i did actually have friends over there and i knew ireland you know but it still it's different to actually then live there um and very quickly i grew to absolutely adore it and i love you know ireland is just probably one
1: absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow. Did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The most welcoming and hospitable countries ever. So it didn't take long for me to settle in, but yeah, you're right. As a 13 year old, it was a huge, it was a huge change. Um, and a a quite a a sad a sad time really for me um but luckily as i say i do i do look back and think but yeah but would i be the person i was i am now had i not experienced that and other difficulties later on um probably not and i think now being a parent as well like i think we try and protect our children so much don't we from difficult situations in life and you know, just anything that can present challenges. And I think maybe sometimes we try too hard to protect yeah. them. And actually, they have to go through certain things to become adults and become yeah. adults that can deal with change and that can adapt to different situations. Yeah. So, you know, you could look back and go and wallow a little bit and say, well, poor me, and that was really hard. And yeah, it was. But I also like to take the positive from it and think, well, actually, it kind of made me who I am as well. Sure. Um, so, Yeah.
1: Let's stay in the formative years for for track mm. three, and I'm going to ask you, please, uh, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please.
0: Hmm. I think. Um. <clears throat> yeah. I. I think the first song that that springs to mind. There's probably a few. Okay. The first, you can song have some honourable mentions.
1: Mind. You can throw some in. <laughs>
0: Well, because it, de- it sort of depends at what stage, because I sure. think my taste, my taste varied. Yeah. But I think when I was in my teenage years living in Ireland, I became really interested in rock, kind of yeah. that side of things. And Nirvana was huge at the time. So Smells Like Teen Spirit is a huge, a huge one for me where I just remember that kind of encapsulating my whole teenage years. Yes. Um,
1: That's one of the greatest intros ever as well.
0: I know, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, and I was really into the Stone Temple Pilots and Skid Row and um, Guns N' Roses, that kind of era. Yeah, yeah so. I mean
1: that was a, a a golden time for for guitar yeah. music. I think the early nineties oh, yeah. when when. Nirvana dropped it. Just you'd say Stone Temple Pilots and yeah. Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. There, they just kept coming, didn't they? And yeah. it was just just yes. a, a glorious time for it. Really for was guitar music, yeah. and 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 they were becoming like. I mean, Kurt Cobain was the biggest pop star of that time. I mean, as I as, as much as he was just this underground guitar band that all yeah. of a sudden, obviously, I don't think he was. He, he was cut from the right cloth to be able to deal with with that kind yeah. of exposure, and, and obviously it was a very no tragic person. what what happened to him. But yeah, um, really tragic. Yeah, but it felt at them points, you know, in in those early nineties that guitar bands were the biggest pop stars. It was it was all yeah. about rock, and 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 even going yeah. forward a few years to that when you get to the mid nineties with. Blur, Oasis, Pulp, and Sway—they yeah. become the biggest pop stars of their day as well. It was yeah, it was a, lot of, a lot of emphasis on guitars um, in the in the nineties. Um, yeah, you're right. There really was. I want to um, t- talking of sort of school, and and when I you know when, when people think of, of you and the band, you know, we're picturing what we saw as for very confident you know women on stage and you know doing doing their thing having. Record-breaking success, you know, um, mm. with with, with number-one records. From moving to 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 changing, you know, schools and and countries at thirteen, and 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 to mm. then find yourself, uh, and as your career sort of, you know, unfolded, uh, over you know from from, the, those formative days of, of bewitched right up until now. Tell me about your relationship with confidence.
0: Um, I was very shy as a kid. Um, I never really, I was never kind of like the center of attention in terms of, I was never la- the, the the loud kid or, you know, I was never the obvious candidate for someone who would go on to be on stage necessarily. There were definitely other kids in my class or in my friendship group who were more kind of, you would imagine them doing something like that. But I always had this real passion for music. And I think, I think initially maybe it kind of manifested as me just kind of playing. I used to play the, I played the piano since I was six. Um, and then the guitar, I picked the guitar up at about 13. And that's when I started writing songs as well. Um, I think my confidence grew actually in my, in my teenage years. Um, and then I think then when I got into the band, um, interestingly, I feel like my confidence dipped a little bit in the band. Um, you know, when I look back now at some of the, some of the interviews and stuff like that, I do think, oh, you were so shy in the band, like, and just like speaking up and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not really sure why, but, um, I think since then, I mean, I'm I'm a confident person now, and I think life experience does that to you as well, do you know? But um, I went and did um, a two-year acting course about 12, 13 years ago now, 14 maybe. Um, And it was very intense. It was an intense acting course um, full-time. And in that course, it was really, it was almost like a two-year therapy in a way because it was everything to do with acting is about the study of human condition so in order to study human condition you have to study yourself and how you operate and what makes you tick and what makes you react and what are your trigger points and this that and the other and it almost really breaks you down and then builds you back up again
1: um so i learned a lot about myself for you how was that
0: um a really life-changing and very interesting and actually very important um because it's um um, I think it it got me in touch with a lot of who I am and, and gave me um, the courage and the confidence to express who I am and to be proud and honor who I am. I think before that, I had perhaps kind of squashed myself a little bit in order to accommodate others or uh, maybe because I didn't validate my own sense of self or my own feelings so I didn't necessarily speak up about them as much but I think that changed um and now um even though sometimes it's slightly outside my comfort zone I still do it you know and I'll still speak up and I'll still say what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling because I think actually it's really really important and it goes a long way towards protecting your mental health to be able to do that um, it's a very slippery slope to just deny your feelings and deny who you are and what you think, you know. So yeah, I think I've been I've been through a journey, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm wonderful,
1: here. wonderful. Yeah. Tell me about the first record you remember buying, Lindsay.
0: Um, what record did I first buy? Okay, so this is a funny one. It was in Greece, obviously, because I was um growing growing up in Greece, so. I remember there was this song that came out one year, and it was a Greek artist, her name was Polina, and she had this song called Pamellatreles, which is, if you translate it, it's, um, let's go for, let's go have a crazy time, let's go have a fun time, right. and the song goes, Stisei stiseicheles, which means, let's go have fun in the Seychelles, right. random, and very specific, but... It was a hit. It was a smash. It was huge in Greece. It was like the summer song. And it's so much fun. And even now I remember it like, Oh! <laughs> and she was just like, I had her poster on my wall. I yeah. had her vinyl record. I had her cassette. Yeah. It was a, It was the first time I'd kind of really felt like a bit of a fangirl. And I must have only been about, I don't know, seven or eight.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? It's like, it, it, this is the question where, um, you know, you, 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 sometimes people's first records—you uh, uh, know—people can be a little bit embarrassed about them and things like that. You know, they weren't—they weren't the coolest of, of 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 bands and things like that. But what's lovely is I've done four hundred and eighty of these podcasts now, and whoever I've had on wow. have have always sort of chosen, uh, you know, records there when they always go, "Oh yeah, this one's not so cool," but <laughs> when they talk about it. They light up like you lit up then. Mm. and like because music, it, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure as far as I'm concerned. I know. If if you hear something and it gives you joy or it gives you melancholy or whatever experience you want to get from it, there's nothing to feel guilty about. And you just started singing that song that, that you bought when you was however old you was, and it just made you sing it and it made you smile and it lit you up. And uh-huh. like that's well, the I sound joy like of music. 8 year right? <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Right. Okay, so I want to move on now, and uh, and we're going to go clubbing. So tell me about yeah the song that soundtrack your clubbing, and tell me about what it was like. Because how old was you when when Celle V Come Out?
0: Um, so I must have been maybe nineteen twenty.
1: So they're your prime clubbing years, pretty much, aren't they? And
0: well, it's interesting because I don't think I ever really clubbed till I was till I was out out of the band. So we like talking about. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 23, 24, 25. Right. So I basically went from being in school straight into the band. I'm sure I did a bit of partying yeah. around that time, you know, as you do. But I don't remember doing a lot of it because i feel like i went straight from school into working and um i didn't have the uni experience even though i I was due to go to trinity in dublin to do a business degree but i took a year out and in that year out that's when i joined the band and got signed so it was kind of like straight into work really um and with that it was you know we just didn't have time to go clubbing it was like we've got to be up at six so I'm not going clubbing. I need to look well. I need to look fresh. You need to be able to sing and dance. And it just wasn't worth it. So and even during the band, we were so kind of focused on our work that we didn't really do any partying. I don't really remember ever kind of going out a lot in the band at all. But I do remember when the band ended
1: just and to, I just to go time. back to that before we move on yeah. to that, because that's crazy, yeah. because I think for so many people, you you know, you said about, and, and then we got the record deal uh, a, a yeah. little bit earlier on in the podcast, and I think people just generally think, like, once you've signed that record deal, you're all multi-millionaires instantly, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then, you know, you do top of the pops, and then you just, you know, you just you piss-balling around on, like, yachts and things like that, yeah. and it's, it's the hard... That it,
0: is the perception, but yeah. But
1: the reality of it is the hard work pretty much starts there, right? Because for for most people it, it essentially like when you watch, you know, these X factors and things like that and people go you've got a million pound record deal. That's not a million pound cash in their bank. That's no. a loan and that's gotta be paid yes. back yes. before you make the it money. Is. And that it's involves loan, the graft.
0: And a lot of that money goes into promotion. Yeah. So whether it's you know, putting you out to different territories, whether it's paying for your videos, um, everything, photo shoots, styling hotels everything and all of that like you say is recoupable at the end you know so it's very easy to say oh yeah they got a million pound deal it's like it's not quite as you know you know simple as that there are there are kind of complications to that but yeah you're right the hard work does start there and that's when when you have that first taste of success it's maintaining that and keeping it like yeah. that, that's the hard work because you have to then, the pressure is slightly on then because you have to go to the other territories, do the same thing in the other territories. And we did, you know we did to Europe, we did Australia, we did America to a large degree um, and each time you go to a new territory, you're kind of starting again. So, yeah. you, go, so you might be on your second or third single in the UK, but actually yeah. in America you're going back to doing your first single, yeah. you're doing the shopping malls again, even though in, in the UK you're doing your own arena tours, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like... Um, again, coming back to that whole thing about doing your groundwork—it's not instant. Yeah. It's—it's you—you you do the slog, you do the—you do the work, you know. Um, but yeah, so the, in terms of clubbing, there was just there wasn't really the opportunity. And I know that that might be slightly different for other bands. I know other artists might have a different take on that and say, "Oh no, we did party and stuff like that." But I don't know. Like we just couldn't burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. We just couldn't do it but i did club a lot after the band ended yeah i don't know whether that was part of my healing process yeah um <laughs> but i was like it, i was living in london at the time and i used to you yeah, know definitely went out most weekends um yeah it was it was it was a fun time i think i just needed to get it out of my system because i would yeah, never yeah. done it before you know
1: and what was you dancing <laughs> to what was your tune
0: we were, <laughs> a lot of the clubs we used to go to were quite um, hip hoppy. Yeah. So I remember 50 Cent being played a lot, you know, in the club.
1: Yeah. What a chain
0: Oh, sure.
1: <laughs> party like
0: I, that was played. I feel like that song was on every time I entered the club. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that really sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. I could not do that again. I honestly could Could I would rather stick pins in my eyes than go clubbing now.
1: Oh, I, I'm a club promoter. That's, that's that's been my job all my life, and oh
0: god, sorry. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. Honestly, Lindsay, like every Friday <laughs> it's an age night, thing. it's the greatest job in the world. When I was 21, at 49, mm. on, honestly, mate, mm. every Friday night it gets to like three o'clock in the morning. I'm just thinking, I just want to be at home watching shit telly with my family. I, I do know. not want to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm. I'm interested to know about that. You touched on something a moment ago about pressure. Where the pressure starts. Yeah, you know when when you're you know you're you're traveling the way you do, and also, you know you tell me about the the, the pressure of knowing, and and I say this with the greatest respect. You was a, a pop act, and yeah, you know, uh, back then, and and through history, if you look back, at, you know through boy bands, girl bands, whatever, they have a yeah. a, a time span before life, yeah. And was that ever something that was? on your mind that we've got to keep on the treadmill we've got to keep going got to keep going because if we come up, you know we take a moment out could the next thing come along or could mm. could we be forgotten like you know is that a a, a legit pressure when 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 you're in the, the sort of moment
0: i think if i if i'm honest i think i was probably too naive to think it, about it in that way i don't think i had a sort of overall perspective of a career arc or anything yeah. arc or anything like that. I think I was just in it. I was in the moment. I was taking this opportunity by the horns and I was riding that wave.
1: I mean, that's the best lacked. way, right?
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think it, it possibly is the best way. Yeah. Um, probably there was a sense of pressure from, you know, just like from maybe management and record company. Maybe they had a, a better idea of, you know, well, as long as this lasts, sort of thing, we need to like really work hard and and just get the most out of it. So there was probably a bit of pressure that trickled down in that sense. But, um, you know, we, we did, we worked all hours that God gave us. Um, and I think we enjoyed it. And that's, that's probably the key here is actually, we enjoyed the work and that's winning. That's winning right there. Yeah, I know. And I think, I think um, that's possibly why there was just that motivation and that drive just to keep going. Um, and, of course, as success then started to come, that was enjoyable too. And it was like, you know, a, a number one and then another number one and then four number ones on the row in a trot. And it was like, oh, my gosh, we're literally riding this wave. Like, we're at the yeah. top here. We're, we're riding this wave. Just keep going, keep yeah. going, keep going.
1: Um, Make no mistake, that's incredible four four number ones on the bands,
0: yeah on on the trot it is like yeah i know when you when you think about it when you say it like that it is um an incredible achievement especially because we were young women you know we were it was a lot it was a lot to take on at that point firstly in terms of the fame secondly in terms of the workload and thirdly in terms of being away from family and friends for months at a time and not having that support you know that yeah. emotional support luckily we had each other yeah and we looked after each other you know so that's something i, I cannot imagine being an artist on your own and yeah. not having band members to just lean on i can't imagine it
1: absolutely we we we, we touched on confidence earlier lindsay i want to ask <laughs> you about um your relationship with drive
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: how driven are you
0: i think um I think I have an interesting relationship with drive. I think I dip in and out, if I'm honest. Um, I think there are points in my life where I've been really driven and really focused and really disciplined about what I'm trying to do here. Um, I like routine and I like structure. Um, So when I have that, I seem to thrive and I seem to have, like, achieve things. Yeah. Um, But there are points in my life where... I haven't had that structure, and I feel I feel like it's it's quite hard to kind of generate that drive and that motivation. Um, and then throw in having a family and having kids and everything else. like I've got two young little ones at the moment, five and three. So I'm in that stage of life where I'm trying to juggle. yeah, and that that in itself is actually quite exhausting at times. and when you're really exhausted, it's also very difficult to <laughs> yeah, find. Yeah. The motivation and the drive um but the one thing that kind of is always there is the passion is the passion for the music and is the passion for creation creating something yeah and being creative and being in a creative environment with like-minded people and i'm very lucky that i've always had that yeah whether it was with the girls and with the band or at times where we weren't working as a band, you know, just other situations that I've been in, like for example, my two years at the at the um, drama school, sure. and other situations where I I was in another band as well in between all that, like a country band called yeah. Clayton, and just I've seemed to have gone from one situation into another where I'm surrounded by like-minded people, and when you have that, it almost generates energy and progress in itself. Yeah. So you kind of get swept along a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's a funny one, isn't it drive? Cause it's not, it's, it changes. It's, it's, it's not always there and it's not always as strong as it is at other times yeah. in your life, but, and it it depends a lot on what you're going through. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I suppose underneath it all, I'm quite a driven person in the sense that I want to, I do want to achieve things and I yeah. do, I have a sense of wanting to make my kids proud as well and leave my mark on the world, do you know what I
1: mean? They're going to grow up to know that mum had four number ones on the band. That's some achievement, that is. At the moment, they could not care less. Every
0: time, just like, I try and play the songs to them on YouTube or something and they're like, hmm. Yeah, that's nice, mummy. Can I play with my trains now? <laughs> whatever. It's like, come on,
1: guys. It's impossible <laughs> to be cool parents. Honestly, it's, it's no. N- there's no such thing as cool parents. And there I've no tried my hardest to, to do stuff yeah. with my kids where I'm just like, check this out. And like, <laughs> yeah. they're just like, yeah, whatever. Not mm. interested. Not interested. I know. Right, it's Lindsay. Funny. It's grounding. I'm taking you home for track six. Tell me your favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Um, <clears throat>
0: I'm going to pick... No Frontiers by Mary Black.
1: Beautiful. Um,
0: yeah. So the Black um, Mary Black, Francis Black, the Black Sisters in Ireland—they're all very, very well known. Um, and I remember when I lived there at the time, this song came out, and it was just so beautiful. It was just a, a really, really beautiful, simple melody, simple concept, very acoustic, all about the, the emotion and the vocal. And it's just a really, really beautiful song.
1: Um,
0: and I suppose a little bit of an introduction to me of Irish folk, that kind of folk feeling. Um, so it kind of inspired me a little bit and opened my eyes to that, that sort of sound of music as well. So, yeah, so it is a really beautiful song.
1: Wonderful. Well, I'm going to bring it right up to speed now. And, uh, and I'm going to give you a chance to be uh, what um, what the kids call an influencer, and, okay. uh, and I want you to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to go and listen to.
0: Um, so many people of the new generation may not know this. Our generation probably will remember it, but it's um, "To Be With You" mm. by Mr. Big.
1: Yeah, you're getting your rock and back I on there, aren't you?
0: Well, this is it. Yeah, I had to get <laughs> I had to get it back in there, but and it's. It's a weird one because it's one that I have on my playlist. I've always had it on my playlist. I still have it on my playlist, even my gym playlist. Yeah. And I just love the song. Yeah. And I just think it's so um, underrated. And it's just, it's got such a cool beat to it. It's such an amazing vocal. And the backing vocals are super.
1: Yeah.
0: And just the whole feel of it. And I love the sentiment of it as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, all around, I just love the song.
1: Wonderful choice, wonderful choice. Well, look, we make it really easy for people that haven't heard that to go and listen to it and all the other yeah. tracks um, that we've spoken about today, Lindsay, because we do a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can go and uh, listen to it all and obviously um, mm. go and listen to some uh, Bewitched music as well. So let's talk let's... about Bewitched music. So what's what's happened? How comes it's, it it's all happening again? The new music?
0: Yes, new music. So... Um... You know what timing is everything and i think um we've kind of been gigging on and off over the years and ever since we did the big reunion back in 2013 i think it was and we've kind of toyed with the idea of doing new music um for ages but um just with one thing or another whether it was having babies covid all these things kind of kept happening um and I think during COVID we actually did a podcast. Uh the, the Bewitched Girls and I did a podcast. And um it was that podcast that our producer who did our first two albums, he listened to it during lockdown. And he must have just like got inspired and just he, he got in touch with us and he was like, Girls I love you guys so much, you know, you still have it between you, the dynamic, you're, you're so great together, and we need to do something, we need to do something. So ever since then, this this has been kind of, the, the, the seed was sown, and this has kind of been growing, and um, we've been talking about it for a while.
1: And what a beautiful with thing being, to come out of lockdown.
0: I know, I know. And it was really organic, because the reason we even did a podcast was because we missed each other, and didn't have our chats anymore and I yeah. thought, well, how can we still be a band when we're not gigging? How What can we offer the world when we're not actually gigging yeah. and doing our music? What else can we do? You know? But um, anyway, he, so we got back in the studio with him and um, it, with it being our, the 25 year anniversary of Sale of this year as well. Can you believe? That's um insane. We just, I know. <laughs> we just thought this is an opportunity for us to market really and yeah. just just like you know if we're we're ever going to do it let's do it now and um he played us this song we were doing a bit of writing and stuff but he played us this other song we were just like that song is just it's banging it's it's an absolute tune could this work for us you know and he was kind of saying i don't know maybe it's not quite you this that and the other but in the end he came around and he was like yeah do you know what let's make it a bewitched track so that was that, and it was just we really connected with it. It made us want, it made us excited again, and we hadn't had that feeling for a long yeah. time. So we recorded it, and that's going to be our single, which is released this week.
1: A and Ber- birthday,
0: birthday, it's yeah. called yeah, and we've just we've just shot a video for it as well. Um, so it's all very exciting, and I suppose like the, the plan is to kind of just carry on making new music for now and. I think we'd all love to do our own tour again. Yeah. I think that would be the the kind of end goal, really. If, if we could do that, that'd be amazing. Kind of amalgamate the old music and some of the new music as well, and give people a bit of nostalgia and also a bit of a you know a surprise and some new music as well. So I think that's what we'd love to do either this year or next year um and to mark this anniversary and uh, yeah
1: wonderful, you know, wonderful. celebrate it really. Well, Lindsay, I, I wish you all the best uh, to, to you, you and the other girls with with, uh, with, with the new music and, and, and gigs and such. And honestly, mm-hmm. I've had a absolutely delightful time um, chatting yeah, to too. you. me too. I've really, I really enjoyed our chat. Thank I, you I so really much. I really appreciate you giving up your time today, Lindsay. Not at all. all Thanks right. a million. Absolute pleasure. I'm going to press stop. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, just you, you forget, like... Four number one singles on the bands broke all records like that is just remarkable, Um and and hearing about them the moment of 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 having to relocate at thirteen, I, I can't imagine that. And yeah, just what a lovely person. It was just a, a really nice uh, natter that one, and uh, I hope he's got. A fraction of the joy that, that I got because if you did, then you're still having a really good time because I loved that chat. Um, so huge thanks to Lindsay. Thanks again to Kat for sorting that out. Big thanks to you always for, for listening to these episodes. If you finish finished this then and you're not subscribed, give us a subscribe. Um, other than that, just if you enjoyed this episode, have a look on the social media um, on me Twitter, Instagram or Facebook and you'll see the artwork for this episode. Just give it a little like and a share. Just get the word out so uh, more people get to hear um, how delightful Lindsay is. And uh, and yeah, go listen to Bewitch. What's the word? Not reflect. Remind yourself uh, just how glorious uh, that pop music was. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, be nice to each other. I'll see you soon. Bye bye.